Well, let's pray. We're going to be in uh, we're going to be in John chapter twelve, and we're going to be in Isaiah chapter six. If you want to turn over there, we're going to be in Isaiah six as well this morning. So uh, there is a before I pray, there is a great problem in Jesus' day with unbelief. Okay, uh, and there is also a great problem in our culture today with unbelief, with people who have just made the decision that. Uh, that, well, I believe in God, but I'm just not going to be obedient to Him. And God says, if you say you believe and you don't obey, then you don't believe. That's what He said. And so, unbelief is a real problem in our culture today. From people, all all, all walks of life, it's a, it's a problem. The problem is sometimes it becomes a problem within our own myth. And we need to we need to attack that. We need to, we need to make sure that we deal with that. Alright, let's pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study together, and the opportunity we have to come together, and the opportunity, Father, that we have to worship together. We pray your blessings upon us as we do that this morning. We pray, Father, that uh, that you would be with us as a family. Uh, you know all the in, ins and outs, all the ups and downs that are going on with any kind of family, and, and they go on here as well. And I pray, Father, that your, your hand would be on each one of those situations and each one of those people and, and all the things that are going on. Father, the folks that are sick and, and under the weather, we pray for them. And, and uh, people that have decisions to make, we pray for them as well. And uh, we just pray, Father, your blessings upon this church. Help us to, Father, be the outreach that we need to be. Help us to, to realize the things, the potential that we have and to accomplish great things for you and, uh, and to to spread the gospel every chance we get. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. I want you to, first off, we're going to turn to John chapter 12. Uh, and I said there was a, there's a big problem with, with unbelief in Jesus' day. And that's where this first text starts with. It starts, he's going to, uh, it starts in verse 37 is where we're going to be. We're going to be 37 through the end of the chapter. And it says, uh, uh, even after Jesus had performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? That's from Isaiah chapter 53. But then he says, for this reason they could not believe, because I, as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so that they neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Now I want you to turn back to chapter 6 of Isaiah. That's where this text comes from. That's where this trans, this, where, where the, this, uh, this prophecy is from. And I want to, we're going to start in verse 1 of Isaiah 6. And I want you to listen to what happens here. Okay? Listen. Now remember, uh, Jesus quotes this some of this and said this was what was spoken about before this is what the what john writes to us and says hey this is what was happening this is what god caused to happen this was going to happen it was prophesied and here here was jesus and he is the fulfillment of this even though you don't believe it doesn't matter what you believe only thing that matters is what's the truth and what are you going to do with it and these folks in jesus day had decided that no matter what he did, wasn't enough. They still weren't going to believe in him. You know, well, my problem is, how do I help you and us to, to believe in him so strong 
that it caused us to act upon that belief. You know, when when uh, the nation of Israel came to the promised land after they came out of Egypt, they came the first time and they were they were adamant that they could not take the land. They weren't going to go in there because of because there was problems there. They just weren't going in. And God got mad. God got really mad. He got so mad that he said that from now on, he said everyone over the age of 20 is going to die. And he's going, I'm going to kill every one of them. And that's what he did. 603,500 fighting men died in the next 37 and a half years is what he did. Killed them. And he, when he brings them back to the promised land the second time, okay, and the, and the story is, re, is retold in the book of Hebrews. And in chapter 3 he says, what happened the first time? He said, you gained to the promised land, you were told what to do, and you would not do it. And he said, so we see, you see, you were punished because of your disobedience, and because your disobedience came from unbelief. Because you didn't believe what I told you. So, the promise that, that is talked about in, in John chapter 12, look at what he says. In the, year, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and posts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. The Lord Almighty. You remember what it said in just now, and I just read in John chapter 12? He said he saw Jesus. And he talked about him. What did he say here? I saw the king. I saw the king. And he said, The Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs, seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. He said, Go and tell this people. Now this one, what did he do? He said, You go tell this people. Go tell them the message that I'm going to give to you. Go tell this people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of the people callous. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they may see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lay in ruin. He said, you take the message, and you fill it, you, you shovel it down their throat. And you know what the message is going to do? It's going to gag them. It's going to gag them. And it, will and it will make them harden, make them where they can't see. You know, what is he telling us today? Is the message doing the same thing today? You bet it is. You bet it is. You know, you know how I know? Come on in, guys. You know how I know? Because I watch so many people take the truth of what I know of this book and twist it and turn it and make it to say what they want it to say so it will appease people around us. You know, there are churches out there today that call seeker-sensitive churches. They compromise their doctrine to appease what people want them to do. What people want them to teach. They don't teach the truth. They teach a seeker-sensitive doctrinal church. Where we'll, we'll 
We'll adjust our doctrine to fit what people in our society want us to do today. That's not teaching the truth. That's taking the message, and the message has come in, and the message has gagged them. You know, is the, is the truth about Jesus good enough? Is it enough? Is it? Is it enough for us that all, it's all we need, that we don't need anything else? Look at what else he said. Go back to John chapter 12. And, I, and it says again in verse 41, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. He was talking about Jesus. Isaiah was teaching them about Jesus way back when he was prophesying and telling them, hey, I saw the king. Didn't see the father, saw the king. But it was, what was Jesus going to become? The king. They already knew that. You're a king. Say, you said it. You said it. And then look at what he says. Verse 42 and 43. Yet at the same time, many among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. I wrote a, I wrote a question now last night. I, thought I, would, I read that. And I said, what do people fear today or love today that keeps them from open praise of God? What is it? What is it that that is in that people are involved in in their lives that is that they're afraid of or they love more that causes them to to not to openly praise their God with their belief? You're going to see what God's going to say about that in a minute. Okay, God's not going to put up with it. He won't put up with this. Now, but what is, what is, what do people love or fear today that keeps them from open praise of God? What do you think it is? Huh? Rejection. Rejection? Okay. Anybody else? What do you think? What is it that people care about more? Same thing they said here. We we want the praise of men. Okay, want the praise of men. What else? Love of self. Love of self? Well, just love of sin in general. Love of sin in general? Yeah. Okay. I don't want to get that up. Okay. But he's talking about here the people that believed in, in him. And they were afraid to open their mouths because they were afraid they were going to get put out of the synagogue. They were fearful. You ever have you ever had, you know, stepped into the into the realm of God in your life? And you stepped into the realm of spirituality and been afraid of what it might cost you. That ever happened to you? Where you're afraid of what it would cost you, and so it clamped your mouth shut. Clamped you down to where you wouldn't speak and you wouldn't say anything. This translation says they valued their reputation. Rep valued their reputation. Okay. I, I just I wrote the question just to make you think. I just wanted you to think. What do you What do you think? Is it Is that something that happens today? Is it something that that causes churches to to amend what they believe, amend what they teach? so that they will not get crossways with membership. You see, you hear people all the time from the pulpit teaching things that I know and you know are not the truth. That you know that doesn't fit with what the book teaches. Doesn't fit what the book says. Yet they're teaching it online, they're teaching it in their in their churches, and they is that is that open praise of God from God's perspective? Or is that a sign of unbelief? 
God said, if you're disobedient, then you uh, then you don't believe me. Huh. Wow. I didn't think that was coming. Turned into a business. Church has turned into a business, has it not? In a lot of instances, it has. I will not say this, I will not do this, because it could cost us financially. So I'm afraid to open my mouth and say the things that need to be said, the things that should be said, because what if it what if people hold their money back? Is that could that be a problem? That's a sign of unbelief. That is a sign of unbelief. What else? Well, I think it goes back to the self love. We we we've got people that think they can do it better than God. <laughs> They run it their way. Yeah, I said that we got people out there today that believe they can do it better than God. Wow, wow! Didn't see that one coming either. Could do it better than God. Is that a sign of belief or is that a sign of unbelief? The sign of unbelief. Remember, I told you we we're going to start this tech. This class today is going to be about unbelief, about listening to God and not doing what God says to do. That's what God says is unbelief. You know, I tell you what to do and you won't do it. How many of you believe, feel like, confident of, that you know the word well enough in your life? How many of you would say, I know the word well enough in my life to get myself out of trouble if I need to? How many of you could say that? And if not, why not? Why not? Go back to chapter 12. This is what you're going to say. Okay? 44. When Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. We looked at this in 1 John chapter 1. If I, say, if I walk in the light and have fellowship with one another, what does he say that happens? The blood of his son does what? Cleanses me of all sin. Cleanse me of all my sin if I walk in the light. What did Jesus say? He said, I came as a, in the light so that people wouldn't have to walk in the dark anymore. What does it mean to walk in the dark? What does that mean? What, what Scott was talking about, what many of you were talking about, what does it mean to walk in the dark? I'm going to walk in sin. I'm going to walk. I'm not going to. I'm going to walk just enough where I kind of straddle the fence. I walk just enough where I don't sway into sin all the time, but I only stay in sin part of the time. Is that is that an a system? Is that an idea of belief, or is it an a, is it an attitude of unbelief? Which one is it? It's unbelief because it's you un can't be either hot or cold. It's unbelief. You can't be lukewarm. You have to be one or the other. Well, here he said he says that he said I, I he said I came into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. He said, and I said, if you believe in me, then you believe in the one that sent me. You believe what, what he said, because I'm saying what he said. And I asked you, I said, you know, what is it? What, when we look and see, we see unbelief. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, that person is really good. They go to church. They just, they, they, go, to, they go to church most of the time. They go to church most of the time. Is that good enough? Well, you know. They're really good people. Really good people. They got a good heart. They got a, they got a positive heart. They really, they really love people. 
They they're really kind and they're really compassionate and really do good stuff. Is that good? Is that is that good enough? Is that what God said to do? Is that what He calls us to? Does it all sound? Yeah, it all sounds good, doesn't it? Pharisees thought they were being right too. The Pharisees thought they were right. The Pharisees they had the, they had their they had their ducks all lined up. Didn't it? Didn't matter that they were they were opposed, but in the group. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, there was two groups. One of them didn't even believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. They didn't believe in nothing. So, was it, was it, was it a problem now? Now you got now you got factions in there. Believing in God is going to cost you. Okay? Believing in God costs you. He tells us on numerous occasions. He said, if you want to come after me, he said, you've got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. He said, he said, you cannot, you cannot do it what however you want, whenever you want. You can't. It's not the way this works. Doesn't work that way. God is very specific. He's been very specific all through. You know, he 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 gave the message to Isaiah and told him, You go shovel it to them. Give it to them. You know what it's going to do? It's going to gag them. They're not going to listen. They're not going to believe. They're not going to see. And he said, either I'm doing it on purpose. And you know, sadly, I watched today, and the same thing happens today. People, people, are, are, people take the word, and it gags them. They don't want to listen. They don't want to hear because it, it's contrary to what their ideology is or what their doctrinal stance is or what they thought that maybe God wanted them to do. It, it's contrary to that. And so they've looked at it and said, you know, I don't know. I don't really, I, I want to do it some other way. You know, there's got to be a better way. You know, we can do it this way. And what if God said, wait a minute, uh-uh. No, no, you can't. Now, I want you to look at the last part of this chapter. Verse 47. If anyone hears my words but not keep them, I do not judge that person, for I do not come to judge the world but to save the world. Okay? When Jesus came the first time, he came the first time, he didn't come to judge the world. When he came this time, he didn't come to judge the world. When he comes back, he gives. But this time, he didn't come to judge the world. He said, there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. So, what do I know now? God says, if you say you believe and you don't obey, then you don't believe. My, my responsibility is what? What's my responsibility from that? If you say you believe and you don't obey, then you don't believe. What's my responsibility? Huh? To obey. To obey. I gotta. I gotta. You know what? What? Get it. Get it lower down than that. I better know what it is that he says to be obedient to. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. Obeying Church of Christ doctrine is not an option. You understand what I'm saying? Opening the book and saying, "Okay, God, talk to me. Tell me what it is that you want me to do. Tell me what it is that I'm supposed to do, and then being willing to do what He tells me to do." What does it mean when he says, you know, you can't have no part of me if, you, uh, if you're not willing to pick up your cross, follow me, and, and, and uh, deny yourself? What is that, that going to mean? Have you bothered to sit down and just analyze it for yourself? 
What does it mean for me to, to say that right there? You know, what did he just say here? What did he just say? But, but what, did he, what did he say? He said, the words that I spoke will judge you in the last day. So at what point, at some point, what's he going to do? Open the word up, and he's going to try to, going to line your life up with the word. Oh, that's a fun thought. Huh. Thank God for grace. But of course, if you don't know the word, you don't know what grace means. You have no idea. You don't know what faith is. You understand what faith is? You have any idea? You know where it comes from? Where does faith come from? Romans chapter 10, 17, something like that. Romans chapter 10. It says that faith comes by hearing and how? By hearing the word of God. Faith doesn't come because you're just a really nice fella or really a really attractive lady. That, that, that's not where faith comes from. Faith comes because you listen to the word and allow the word to permeate your life. I asked you a while ago, how many of you believe you know the book well enough? Well enough. And not one of you raised your hand. Okay, so then what's the problem? Is it is it my fault? No. That I haven't done well enough teaching you? I'm still learning and always still okay. 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 There's a reason we're supposed to continue studying. Do what now? There's a reason we're supposed to continue studying. There's a reason we're supposed to continue studying. You know, I can raise my hand and say, I know the book at this point in my life well. I know it well. Do I know everything I need to know? No, I don't. But I know enough to know what God's calling me to do, to know what I'm supposed to do, and, I, and to know when I messed that up. I know that, okay? Because I bothered to study at length and in depth. I bothered, bothered to do that. You know, there was a time when I hadn't, but now I do. I study it at length to know what is it that God has called me to and what is it that he wants me to do. So, I want to be confident when he comes to when he comes. Oh, Dan, your turn. Come here. When that day comes and he opens the book, I want him to be able to look at it and say, "I watched you deny yourself. I watched you do this. I watched you. I watched you do these things." And to know that that I have done everything at this point in my life, I know. Now, I agree with Nancy. When he comes back, you know what I want him to find. When I when it's my turn, you know what I want him want him want to be doing I want to still be learning and growing still be striving to learn more things how can I connect more dots had a Friday, Friday night class and and I gave them we had we were you know I got gave, we were studying Matthew chapter 4 and the beginning of Matthew chapter 4 is the temptation of Jesus and I gave them some text to go with this that here's some text that you can connect the dots to you can connect it to this text and this text and this text and this text and I learned that through my own study I want them to learn that too. So when they see that and they open their Bibles and they see it and they think, oh, I know what that's talking about. I know now what Dan said that time about that. So I know what this text is trying to say to me. You have a responsibility, folks. You are not going to stand there with your mate or your children or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. You're not going to stand there. You're going to stand there by yourself. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to judge every one of us. And he tells us right here, he said, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. 
For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He had a lot of people he was dealing with right there. People that had been prophesied from, from Isaiah's day. That they had, they had fed on this stuff and fed on stuff until it gagged them. They didn't want to hear it anymore. We know that because of what they did. They didn't be they weren't obedient to it. And he said, he said that I didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. He came to save the world. That's what he was here for. He said, I came as a light so that you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. That's what he came for. He said, I didn't come to judge the world. He said, There is a judge. There is a judge. There's a judge for the for the one who rejects me. And if you go to, you know, most people pitch around John chapter 3 and verse 16. And y'all all heard that text. You've seen it. If you watch football games, NASCAR race, man, I've seen it everywhere. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. It's a great verse. The problem is, is you got to read about 17, 18 more verses. And you know what happens when you get to the end of that text? It says, if you don't believe me, you've rejected me. So, you know, here he says, he said, there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn him at the last day. So that means you have your judge right in your hand. All you have to do is read it and apply it to your life. And say, I'm going to do this with God's help no matter what, no matter what it costs me, I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to let anybody get in the way. I'm not going to let all that bling and all that nonsense get in the way. I'm going to do what God's called me to do, period. And it may cost me a job. It may cost me family members. It may cost me whatever. But I'm going to do what God's called me to do because what's going to happen at Judgment Day is more important to me. What's going to happen tomorrow is more important to me than anything else that I do. And he says here, he said, for I did not, he said, uh, the very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. So we know what it's going to, you can, you can get an idea what that whole process is going to look like. Okay? God's going to add, you know, at some, some way, he's going to want to know, how did you do with what my son told you to do? What did you do with it? Did you make application of it? Did you apply it to your life? Did you really strive to become the very best? And did you, did you spend time with you know, I spend a lot of time, well, not a lot of time, but I spend time counseling with folks. And you know what I find on a pretty regular basis? You know why they make bad decisions? Because they don't know what the book says. They don't know what the book says. They didn't bother to listen to God. They did a lot of talking. We pray a lot. We do a lot of talking. We talk, 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 talk. But we don't spend a lot of time listening, Right? Why do relationships fall apart? Because communication stinks. We're not really good at it, are we? Right, babe? Not really good at it. We like to talk a lot. You know, I, I talk all the time. Go, go figure. I have to make myself listen. I have a wife that said, you need to shut up for five minutes. Yes, ma'am. Got it. She doesn't say it that way, but, you know, because that's not who she is. But she has said it that way to me. She says 10 minutes, not 5 minutes. No. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but I have, to, I have to make myself stop sometimes and just listen to what God's saying. Just listen to what's he trying to tell me. Because if, that, if it's important enough that he is going to, going to bring it up again someday, 
It ought to be a, important enough for me to listen the first time I hear it. Don't you think? Because he is going to bring it up again. He is. Yes, sir. Say society tries to say believing in God is the same as loving God. When when first John, he really kind of for God so loved the world, he explains what love for God yes, is. Yes, he does. And yes, God loves us, but your responsibility of loving God, what it requires to actually be loving God. Yes. And in society today, we don't we don't like to hear the fact that if you're don't follow God and you're not obedient, that means you don't love God. And no one wants to hear that. No, they don't want to hear that's it. That's what that's why John is there. Yes, you know you're right, Charlie. No, people people don't want to want don't want to be told. They don't want to believe that what they believe they know is not true. They don't want to believe that. They want to believe that. Well, I I know you know I know that God would never send anybody to hell. I heard people. I heard guys say, "Don't tell me that one time." He said, "Never send anybody to hell." I really. You're willing to bet your life on it. Yes. Yeah, God's a loving God. He would never send anyone to hell. I said, really? And I had to spend, spend some time convincing him, you're wrong. You're wrong. But, you know, people have all kinds of ideas that that you challenge. And they well, wait a minute, no. No, because sometimes challenging those ideas can undermine everything they stand for. Everything their church stands for. You know, challenging ideas of where I came from, where I came from originally, may, was a challenge to everyone that I walked away from. They didn't like it. They didn't like it at all. Because I was challenging what they stood for, and they didn't want to buy that. They didn't want to believe it. That that they had they had they had locked up what it was that they were doing. But here he said, it's very clear. Look at what he said. I have spoke he said there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my word. The very words I have spoken will condemn them at the last day. For I did not speak on my own. I didn't come here and speak on my own. But the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. So what, did he, what do I know? Everything that Jesus said. I had a guy one time told me, he said, he said well, I, only, I, only, I read the Bible, I read it all the time. I only read the red, red words. I really. I said, how did it work for you? Well, I only read the red words because that's the only words that Jesus spoke. Really. He had a real tough time when I took him to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And it says that, that Paul tells the church of Corinth, I want you to know and understand that the, the things I, I, I write to you or things that I say to you are the commandments of the Lord. He had a real tough time with that. What do I do now? But, you know, but people have their ideas. And here he said, he said, for I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. I know his commandments leads to eternal life, so whatever I say is just what the Father has told me to say. What did Jesus know? He said, I'm going to come there, and I'm going to open my mouth, and the Father's going to speak through me. And he's going to say, tell me everything that I need to say. He's going to tell me everything that I need that you need to hear. Because I know, it's Jesus talking, I know that his words have eternal life. So, if, if, if this book, do you believe that this book was written by God? That God wrote it? Do you believe that these are the precepts and the preambles and all the commands and ordinances of God? Do you believe that? Absolutely, positively, 100% believe it. And you believe 
what it's just told us this morning. That at some point, we're going to stand before God and He's going to use the words that Jesus spoke to judge us. Okay? So now what happens now? What happens now? Should this create in you a, a I won't say a passion, but at least a focus on maybe I need to spend a little bit more time in God's Word. Maybe I need to spend just a little bit more time sitting at the feet of the Master and letting Him tell me what it is that I should be doing no matter what it's going to cost me, no matter what I think it says. Just what, let, me, let me get into it and see what is, he, what is He really telling me. Should that be a part of the, part of the issue? Should that be part of what, where I go from here? So what, would it, what should it cause to happen going forward from here? Now you know... Rome, I mean, you know John chapter 12, and the last part of John chapter 12 is about unbelief. It's about the message that God spoke. Isaiah saw Jesus, talked about him. Gee, the, the, the writer of John restates it and said, these people wouldn't believe, even though he did all these miracles, and Jesus said, I'm telling you, there's going to come a day when the things I spoke, are gonna, the words I said, are going to judge you in the last day. So you can, you can play with your unbelief all you want. You can tiptoe around with your with your ideology and your and your decision making. You decide to be disobedient, and God said, "One day, one day, you're going to be called to account." Okay, so now, what what is what is it caused to happen now? What do I do now? What do I do now? Huh? Know the word better. Know the word better. Okay, I mean, know the word better. All right, that's a, that seems like a no brainer. So, what happens now? What do I do? have to make a decision who I'm going to follow who's going to be my master okay and, and count the cost okay I got to make a decision who's going to be my master who, who's going to be my who's going to be my savior who's going to count the cost you know what it causes for me when the first time I ever ever read that you know what it costs for me I'm going to set aside a block of time and I'm going to listen to God on a regular basis I'm going to spend some time in God's work I'm going to spend some time Letting God talk to me and tell me things that I don't really want to hear. And then I'm going to sit, spend some time in prayer asking him to give me the, the courage to listen and apply the things that I just listened for him tell me. Because it's going to stink sometimes. Sometimes he's going to make me, he's going to tell me, you need to do this, and I'm not going to really want to do that. Man, I don't want to tell you I'm sorry when I don't think I did anything wrong. Okay? I don't want to do that. But when he tells me I have to do it anyway, sometimes I don't want to repent. Okay? Sometimes I don't. But when Jesus tells me, unless you repent, you will perish, i gotta, I got to take that into heart. i take it into account. Okay, what am I going to do? Spend some time blocking out some time for God. I told my class a couple of weeks ago, I think I told you this, I got mad on Friday night class because they weren't doing it. They weren't reading anything. And I asked them, how much many of you block time out for something in your life every day. Every day. And every one of them had something. How come it wasn't study five for five minutes? Study for ten minutes? Study for six minutes? How come that wasn't part of it? It wasn't. And I got mad. I said, how dare you? You block out time to eat lunch? Which is important, I understand. But you don't block out the time right before lunch to say a prayer of thanksgiving for God. Or you, you spend time doing this over here, but you don't spend time with God here. 
Spend some time in God's Word this week. I'm going to ask you next week, how many of you did it? I'm not going to ask you for particulars. I just want to know, did you block out some extra time? And I want to believe that you're going to do that because you're afraid of what it might say that you're not doing, that God's going to call you on at some point one day. All right, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.